Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Devin Booker. He's got a grade one hamstring injury. It's going to cost him two to three weeks. The Suns tied up in their series a game apiece. Chris Middleton has got a sprained MCL. He is going to miss the rest of the first round, apparently, maybe even more. The Bucks in a rock fight. They're tied up at a game apiece in their series. So what I'm saying is last year's two finalists are in trouble. But you know who's not? Golden State. While Phoenix and Milwaukee are struggling. And Brooklyn is going right into the tank. The Warriors keep right on rolling. Not only are they rolling, they are partying. These guys have given me that confidence, you know, just to know what it's like to be in a pool party. It's a pool party. That's what I'm talking about. You know, we got these guys who who push us every single day. They push every single day. Everybody on our team. Man, Clay is so good. It is a pool party. A hell of a pool party. They took Denver's best shot last night and they still beat the Nuggets on the road. And now they're up three games to none. They knew last night was Denver's last stand. Look, Denver is a proud team. Denver's got a coach who's proud as hell. They knew, Golden State, they knew Denver would hit them with everything they had, and they did, and it still didn't matter. GSW still went into their house and shut them down. Not me saying it, but, of course, Draymond Green saying it. That's what it's all about, man. You go into an opposing team's building, and you can shut that crowd up. It doesn't get much better than that. There's no better feeling in sports than going into a hostile environment, their crowd into it, yelling, screaming, and ultimately you come out with the win. What would I know, but I tend to agree. There probably is no better feeling in all sports, and I bet there's no guy in all sports that likes that feeling better than Draymond. He shut all 20,000 of them up when he picked Joker's pocket to end that game and effectively end that series. Jokic dribbles middle. Knocked away, stolen by Draymond. He picked his pocket on the break over to Poole. Poole gets fouled wow. with 31.8 to go. Draymond Green. What an incredible defensive play. Absolutely. Picked him clean while playing with five fouls, no less, and then let the entire city know about it. And you should know this, Golden State's back. They are. Golden State is back because everybody else not named Miami is in a street fight while Golden State's looking at a first-round sweep and a chance to just lay out and chill and get ready for the next round. Not only are they winning with ease, they're getting stronger, they're getting better, and they're starting to peak at exactly the right time. Steph Curry is getting healthy. Klay Thompson is getting healthy. And Jordan Poole is still lighting it up every single time he steps on the floor. It is a pool party. And this dude is a stud. He's averaging 29 points and five assists per game in the series. He's hitting 67% from the field. 67. This dude's knocking in 61% of his shots from deep. In other words, he's better from beyond the arc than some are from the free throw line. That's how good this guy is. And he's doing it in live games with a hand in his face, and he's doing stuff like this. Three, Curry, no. Death lineup is out there. Great offensive hustle and rebound, Wiggins. Here comes Poole, baseline drives, contorts, floats, and got the ball in. Kevin Harlan is a stud. Everything about that play was perfect. 
the Wiggins rebound, the ball movement, and then the circus shot. It's a dude who's feeling it. And when the Warriors have somebody not named Steph or Clay feeling it, look the hell out. Because it's not like Steph and Clay are struggling. I love this moment. This is an absolutely awesome quote. Before the game, Denver's Jeff Green was asked if there is a difference. And listen to this carefully. This is awesome. Green was asked before the game if there's a difference between Steph coming off the bench or starting the game itself. And his response was about the truest thing I think I've heard in a long, long time. Played against Steph for a while. Is it different that he's coming off the bench? Is it a different sort of feel for you at all? Nah, feel good as <laughs> is it different when Steph is coming off the bench as opposed to when Steph is starting the game? Quote, that mother bleeper is still good as bleep. Not a feel good as <laughs> that is the truth. Man, I love that guy just letting that fly. If you needed any more proof, check this drive with less than a minute to go in the game. Curry, 24, now 26. As he zooms to the rack. He did that too, right? He hit that layup. He hit that building with a good night pose. Like grab a pillow and some sheet and nap it out because it is over. Because that mother bleeper is still good as bleep. <laughs> and the thing is, it's not just true for Curry. It's true for the entire Golden State roster. All those mother bleepers are still good as bleep. Clay Thompson averaging 22 a night, nearly 45% from three in his first playoff games in three years. That mother bleeper is still good as bleep. <laughs> but Draymond Green, 10 assists while forcing six Joker turnovers. Trust me, that mother bleeper is still good as bleep. <laughs> dude, how about Andre Iguodala? And never mind this dude, like. What's he even still doing in the league, much less playing above the rim? Iguodala down the lane. He turns the clock back, hammers it with a right, and draws the foul. If my math is correct, Iggy is 38 and almost taking off from the free throw line. That mother bleeper, still good as bleep. Steve Kerr, managing all of this, figuring out chemistry on the fly, wait for it. That mother bleeper, still good as bleep. Hey, listen, forget strength in numbers and gold-blooded. Their playoff mantra should be, those mother bleepers are still good as bleep. However, however, they're so good, they've got Michael Malone channeling Starland Vocal Band. All right, this is when things get weird. And that... I love Michael Malone. He is one of my favorite people ever, ever. But listen to what he said afterwards. We have a choice to make. Come Sunday. What time we play Sunday? 1.30. Sunday afternoon? Yeah. All right. It's going to be skyrockets in flight. Afternoon delight. <laughs> um, you know, it's going to be, uh, knowing our group, we're, we're going to be here for the fight. I know I will be. Man, I love this guy so much. Michael Malone. Why do I know that Ritt loved that reference more than anybody who ever lived? Game on. Quick sidebar. Find me a weirder, more bizarre song than that. 
Check that. Find me a worse song than that. The only song that's as bad as that writ is Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty. Skyrocket, skyrockets in flight, afternoon delight. I mean, is that really how folks got down back in the day? And then nothing against Michael Malone. I love that he invoked that. But skyrockets in flight, afternoon delight. Is that really how folks got down back in the day? Is that how folks got nice? By shooting skyrockets in flight to get their afternoon delight. The hell they did. The hell they did. Even Dodger Jano, who loves everything, hates that song. You have any idea if I ever bumped that? And tried to get some afternoon delight with Dodger Jano. <sighs> Come on with that. Please. People got down to that back in the day. Rip probably still gets down to that tonight. Everybody the hell they did. Down. Even worse. Per Wikipedia, in 2010, Billboard named Afternoon Delight the 20th sexiest song of all time. Right. Because anyone, anywhere in the history of the world, not named Rit, was going to pound town on that bullcrap. Man, shut up with that billboard. And while we're at it, you're no better, Wiki, for repeating that. 20th sexiest song ever. Yeah, either that or the worst song ever. Hey, try it. Try this. In the event that any of you clones are going to get nice tonight, and I know you're not because you're clones, but in the event that any of you clones are going to get nice tonight with your significant other, try it. Try bumping that right when the wrestling is going to begin. You know, when you both are on that mat, you've got your hand up. Try that, and then you tell me how that goes. Just know I already know. It ends with you not getting any. And not just tonight, but probably ever again. Anyway, what's poppin' Twitter? I guess I digress. Come on, man. I love that Michael Malone brought that up. Because that should have been said a long time ago. What a creepy, weird, bizarre song. Go to YouTube and check them out on stage. Just acting it out like the creepy, weird, bizarre people that they and Rit are. Hey, Rit, by the way, not dead, can't quit. You There you are. Not dead, can't quit. I thought you would be dead, so you should quit. Ha ha ha. Let me tell you something. Those mother bleepers in that band still weird as bleep. And those other mother bleepers, the dubs, they're still good as bleep. And they're only going to get better. Let me tell you something else before I leave the topic. With Afternoon Delight, you will not be going to Pound Town. I'm going to tell you that right now. More likely, padlock town. Because any pounding that you'll be doing when that song is bumping is when your partner locks the door and you're pounding your fist trying to get back in. Sorry, Denver, you had a good year. My guy, Michael Malone's a great coach. Timing is everything, and you just got matched up with the wrong team at the wrong time because they're having a pool party, so you can feel free to jump the hell out the pool on that. Jump out the pool on that! Jump out the pool pool on that. It's a pool party! Jump out the pool on that! 
1-800. This is why I'm in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. I love that sound. Always makes me smile because that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Listen. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Entrepreneurs know this. You would not even believe what we started selling when we started this podcast. In fact, I don't even want to get into it. But we have moved so far beyond that, and I am not stopping there because success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. And the great thing about Shopify is it has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. But don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. Find out what I already know. Go to shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Again, go to shopify.com slash Rome right now. Find out for yourself. Shopify.com slash Rome. Good friend of the program. He is Jamal Crawford. Jamal, it is so good to have you back. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Jim. I appreciate you. Dude, I appreciate you very, very much. So it's been a few weeks since you officially made your retirement announcement. You're at a very good place, it sounds like, Jamal. It took a while to get to that spot, though. So what was the process like for you, and what made you decide that it was time? For me, it's just a lot of goes into it. You know what I mean? Especially when you're waking up some days, especially the first six months to a year when you're out. You're waking up some days like, is it going to happen? Why hasn't it happened? Just trying to find your way a little bit. And, and for me, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take all that out of it. And it was able to decompress. I started coaching my son, which was unbelievable. They, the kids I'm coaching now help me more than I'm actually helping them. They don't even know it. You know what I mean? Just the transition uh, to find another passion. I'm loving doing TV stuff. I've been working with uh, TNT and, and doing different things with League Pass. So, yeah, I'm very, very happy. And the hardest part was actually getting to that place. The announcement was actually easy. I said, I want to do it on my birthday to make it really cool. Late at night when nobody's really paying attention, they'll see it tomorrow. So it's cool to go out that way. I think that's awesome. That is a great way to go out. And every great wants to go out on their own terms, and you're able to do that. Jamal, the thing you said about your son is really interesting. Like you said, coaching him, you're getting so much more out of that than he or they would ever know. Why and how is that so rewarding? Because I didn't see it coming, Jim. I honestly didn't. I've always been a, a basketball lifer. I've always enjoyed watching the game. I thought when I finished playing, when I was actually playing, I would be in the front office when I finished or doing TV work. And I actually got offers for that. But I just didn't, I wasn't ready to move. I was like, you know what, I'm kind of enjoying being home. I started volunteer coaching his team and, you know, watching those guys grow. And it's amazing. We have practice plans and everything's detailed out to the minute. It's almost like a college run or program practice. And they don't even know it, but they enjoy it. Um, playing music the first part of practice. But they, they've just been unbelievable to work with and these kids bring me such joy they're only 11 years old they're in sixth grade so it's been unbelievable every single day seeing their faces i get more excited to see them and go coach them than i do even to play pickup now Hmm. wow jamal crawford joining us so what do you think i mean obviously a lot of it is it's your son it's the kids you love the kids but do you have the coaching bug might you want to try that now instead of the front office no i absolutely have it but i want to do it with them like and i've gotten actually offers to coach the league as well it's amazing when I watch teams now, when I watch the playoffs and things of that nature, I don't necessarily watch players. I'm actually watching 
the coaches and seeing what plays they're calling out of timeouts, how they got to certain actions, uh, what they're looking for, how they're reading the game. I went to the Phoenix game with my son and I uh, last week, game one against the Pelicans. And I'm, I'm watching Monty Williams and the, and the orange pad he has and how he's looking at it, what he's looking at, what he's seeing. And I was studying him just as much as I was studying CP. See, thing, Jamal Crawford, my guess, you were there, but you also were studying CP. In fact, the story goes at halftime, you gave Chris Paul some advice. What did you see and what did you tell him? Well, playing with Chris, I played with him five years, and I know him, and I know how he thinks, and I was actually sitting right across from the bench so I could really see him. I had a great bird's-eye view. And I just saw him, and I know he was worried about, you know, setting up his, his teammates and, and thinking the game, looking at plays, and I'm like, dude, don't forget to shoot. You know, that was the difference. When you score, everything else just comes out naturally, and he's such a point guy, and he's such a great player. Sometimes you forget he's such a great scorer as well, and he turned on his scoring hat, and that was that game. He gets all the credit. I just plant the seed. Jamal Crawford is joining us 20 years in the NBA. And Jamal, so Devin Booker was taking some heat and criticism for putting up numbers on a team that was struggling previously, but you told the Athletic he's, quote, a true hooper. Coming from you, Jamal, that to me is incredibly high praise. What do you see in him that lets you know that he's, quote, a true hooper? Well, every day after practice, people don't know this. When I was with the Suns my last full year, we played one-on-one every single day. And some days he would win, some days I would win. But the days he won, I would, you know, throw a little jazz out. I'm like, yeah, you're averaging 25 now, but we've won 10 games. Who cares? And that little stuff bothered him. And I said, oh, wow, he's cut differently. He is a winner. And he'd always pick my brain about the playoffs and what it's like, what's the intensity like, what's the game plans like, what's the practices like. And so his first playoffs, when he went off, I was like, oh, I'm not surprised. He was built for this. He was collecting data three years before. You know, so he was built for this. He loves to win, loves to compete. I'm sad that he's hurt, but hopefully he comes back and he gets a chance to play in these playoffs again because he's such a special talent. The world found out how good he really is. We're just breaking it all down. Jamal Crawford joining us back on the program 20 years, calling it a day in the NBA. What a great career he's had. So when you were with the T-Wolves, you saw J.J. Redick in warm-ups, and you told him he would love. He would love Jimmy Butler. You would love playing with him, you told him. What is Butler like as a teammate? Unbelievable. The only thing he cares about – is you working hard and putting the team first. He doesn't care about you missing shots. He doesn't care about you, you know, making mistakes. If you work hard, you compete, and you put the team first, he'll love you for until the end. And that's who Jimmy is. you got to remember, Jimmy's journey was different from most superstars. He came through JUCO. He went the horror route. He, he went through some things off the court. So he's very appreciative uh, of where he's at, but he also respects hard work because that's the way he came up, and that's the way he sees the game being played. So – I absolutely love playing with Jimmy. We play one-on-one every day there. You know, and it's just I was honored to be his teammate. Great guy off the court. He did a lot of things for our team off the court that people still don't know about as well. This conversation is such a blast. Jamal Crawford joining us. Last night you tweeted, quote, Draymond is such a winner. End of quote. Look, I've been trying to make this point for years. I love the guy. I love the guy. But as much respect as he gets, I think it's still not enough. There's still lots of fans who look at his stats and say he's overrated. He's this. He's that. What sticks out to you about Draymond's game? He's, well, he's a gamer, Jim. He'll do the, 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 the most uh, winningest type plays in the, in the highest – uh, pressure situations, right? He's always stealing Jokic, stealing the ball from Jokic late in the game and getting the joy from it. It energizes his team. He does all the little things. I know now we love analytics, we love numbers, and his, his numbers can never be quantified to how good he really is. Like, he brings so much to a team. Any winning team would love to have him, and that's why he's almost as important to Golden State as, as Stafford or Clay or Jordan Poole is because he's the heart and soul of their team. He can right the ship. He does everything you want from a winner. It's 
guys who play at that level and people who really understand at that level knows what he brings to the table. No, I agree with you, Jamal. Like, I'm getting such a kick out of you breaking down all these guys, but I want to ask you this. I think, and I'm struck by this once again, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody who loves the game of basketball more than you do. I mean this, <laughs> and I can illustrate this with a point. There's a story from your time in Chicago that you were in a contract year. You had a road game in Seattle. You land in Seattle the day before the game. You drop your bags at the hotel, and then what happened? Where did you go? I dropped my bags off. I go outside and play for three hours, actually, on the playground. I went to a normal pickup like I would in the summer. I'm in a contract here. don't even have an agent at the time. Drop my bags, go with my friend. We play outdoors for three hours. Go back to the hotel, shower up, play against the Sonics the next day, drop 31, all in the contract here. So, Jamal, my, I mean, obviously, like <laughs> doing that during the season in a contract year, man, that's a major risk. Why did you do that? What were you doing doing that in a contract year? Well, just love of the game, Jim. I, it really, that's always always drove me, just love of the game. And I think the respect for my peers, talking to the Michael Jordans or Isaiah Thomases or Kobe Bryant's, rest in peace, talking to those guys and Kevin Durant, those guys I think are uh, hold me in a certain regard because of my love for the game. They have the same love for the game. It, it takes one to know one. I'm just so thankful. I owe the game everything, and I'll always be loyal to the game. I'll never cheat the game, so... Just thankful for it. Talking to Jamal Crawford for a few more moments. It's more than just the legends of the game there. You know, back at Rainier Beach, I mentioned that at the very top, you, a coach there, told the Athletic, Jamal has a hand in everybody, not just the Rainier Beach kids. I'm talking about the Zach Levines to the Brandon Roys. He's kind of like the godfather of this generation. You know, it's one thing when you mention those other guys respecting you because you love the game. How important is it for you, though, to give back like that, and especially in that part of the country? Well, it's everything. Uh, like I said, Doug Christie, Gary Payton, they did it for me, and it changed my life. I was a 16-year-old kid trying to find my way. I knew I had talent, but I wasn't sure how much. Uh, they came along and showed me, like, young fellow, you can make it. Here, Just this is the, the blueprint. And once they did it for me and I saw it change my life, I said, I have to do this for the next generation. It's just a must. And, and once I did that, it was amazing because you saw one kid make it, then another kid make it. Now you look up, and there's 35 kids who have made it from this small area. Uh, in Seattle, and we all look out for each other. There's an eighth grader right now who can text Zach Levine and ask for advice. There's a freshman in high school who can text DeJounte Murray and, and pick his brain and watch film with him. And that's what makes our community special. It's his own ecosystem now. And uh, they did it for me, and I felt it was my duty to do it for the next generation. That's why you were the best. One last thought. If we're going to talk about true hoopers, and you mentioned Mike, there's some legendary stories about the two of you guys together. For those who do not know, back in the day, you and Jordan would play pickup together, and when you played together, you never lost, never. And then one no. day, <laughs> you had to work out with the Bulls first, and you showed up, and Mike was pissed. He was in the corner fuming what happened, and then what were those days like for you? So uh, it was just an unbelievable time. I remember my dad told me that Michael Jordan liked my game. I'm like, Dad, you don't know Michael Jordan. It's no social media. Stop making this up. I get drafted by the Bulls, and when I get there, Tim Grover calls me one day and says, hey, MJ said you can meet him. I'm like, what? I speed down there. I go meet MJ. Uh, I'm quiet. He's working out. He's 40 years old, prepping for a comeback to the Wizards. And at the time, he's like, you know what? You're in season now, but afterwards you can work out with me in the summer. Fast forward to the summer, I start working out with him. We got on the same team. Two straight years, Jim, never lost a game. We played against Tim Hardaway, Penny Hardaway, Antoine Walker, everybody that was anybody that came through that gym. Mike Finley, we played against them for two straight years and never lost a game, and our relationship really took off from there. Those guys were all studs, too. You mentioned Tim Grover. Jamal, what, did you work out with Tim? What was he like back then? Oh, intense. You knew he was a guru. You knew he was the sensei of that field. 
uh, unbelievably driven. He was just as driven. I think that's why him and MJ uh, hit it off so well because he had the same passion, uh, still a mentor. Don't talk quite as often, but still somebody I look up to and admire. And he was just all in all the time, and you respected that about him. 20 years in the NBA, a three-time Sixth Man of the Year Award winner, 2018 NBA Teammate of the Year Award winner, and I'll say it again, I've never met or talked to anybody who loved the game of basketball like wow. Jamal Crawford does. Jamal, so much respect for you. What a great, great run. What a great career. What a great basketball life. And I know there's still so much ahead of you. So good to have you back on the show, Jamal. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it, Jim. Anytime you need me, I'm always here. If you're a parent, you know this. Kids are amazing, but they are expensive. However, with Fabric, protecting your family with term life insurance is surprisingly affordable. Fabric was built specifically for parents to help you manage your family's financial future like a parenting pro, stress-free. And Fabric's new lower prices mean significant savings over other providers with great policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. And everything is on your schedule with Fabric because it's all online. Less than 10 minutes to apply, and you can be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Then just personalize your quote to fit your family's needs, and you will be set with high-quality, affordable protection for your entire family. There is no risk to apply today. Fabric has a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. So protect your family with term life insurance right now in just 10 minutes. Apply today at meetfabric.com slash Rome. That's meetfabric.com slash R-O-M-E to start protecting your family right now. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash Rome. Fabric insurance agency policies issued by Vantis Life. Not available in New York and Montana. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. If Mike Tyson is going to rain fists on some random moron 30,000 feet up. That's news. That's not like jungle news. That is national news. By the way, that's international news. If Mike Tyson is giving some more on the hands on an airplane, that's international news and it's bizarre news because Mike is not trying to let the hands go anymore. Mike's not trying to throw them hands at randos on JetBlue flights. He's not. In fact, Mike is pretty much trying to do just the opposite of that. That's not what he wants to do anymore. Let's be very clear about this. Jackasses rolling up on Iron Mike. That, that's nothing new to Iron Mike, all right? And it's nothing new to other guys that have been the champ. There's always the idiot that wants to test the champ. People in combat sports, people in boxing, people who are known as the guy or tough guys, they know this. There's always one. There's always one that wants to try you to make a name for themselves. Even Charles Oakley knows this. And we talked about it on the podcast. So Mike knows. Mike was the baddest man in the world and still one of the baddest men in the world. He knows. Like literally less than a month ago, some clown tried to step to Mike at a Hollywood comedy club and wound up pulling a gun. True story. I'm not even messing around with that. And you wonder how that story ended. Not with Mike wrestling control of the Glock and putting a slug in the guy's head. Or Mike disengaging the guy from whatever kind of gun it was and knocking him cold. That story ended with Mike calling the dude over and hugging him. Crazy person tries to fight Mike for attention. 
pulls a gun, and Mike is so chill about it, he daps the dude up and bro hugs it out. That's Mike now. That's Mike. I mean, Mike still has his demons. I'm sure Mike still has days, bad days. But this is who Mike is trying to be. That's how you know that idiot on the JetBlue flight has got to be the biggest and most annoying Delta Bravo of all time. Because chilled out Mike now calls himself Mike 2.0. He's in the weed business. Mike microdoses magic mushrooms. Mike cries when he talks about the guy that he used to be. That's why they feared me when I was in the ring, because I saw my, I was annihilated, that's all I was born for. And now those days are gone, it's empty, I'm nothing. I'm working on being the art of humbleness. Can you be with me? That's the reason why I'm crying, because I'm not that person no more. And I miss him, because sometimes I feel like a bitch. I don't want that person to come out, because if he comes out, hell is coming with him. I mean, Mike, well, when I say that I could listen to Jamal Crawford talk basketball for days, I could listen to Mike talk Mike for days. Wasn't that fascinating? Like, Mike is, he's so emotional about the person he used to be, and now he is so sorry that he was that person. But then he, at the same time, he admits, I miss him because sometimes I feel like a bitch. But when that person comes out, hell is coming with him. That, that, that's an amazing soundbite. Alvin, if you don't mind, damn, dude, it's Friday. You know I've got a lot of things on my plate. Yeah, I know, Alvin. Can you just play that one more time? That is really compelling sound. That's why they feared me when I was in the ring, because I saw my, I was annihilated. That's all I was born for. And now those days are gone. It's empty. I'm nothing. I'm working on being the art of humbleness. Can you be with me? That's the reason why I'm crying, because I'm not that person no more. And I miss them. Because sometimes I feel like a bitch. I don't want that person to come out because if he comes out, hell is coming with him. That's Mike on his own podcast. I'm no mental health expert, but that struggle that Mike must have, like he's like, I'm trying so hard to be humble and I don't want to be that guy. But in so doing, I sometimes feel like a bitch. But I know that if that old guy comes out, hell is coming with him. So... JetBlue D-bag got a first row seat to that hell. That old guy came out, but only because that idiot just continued to badger Mike and drag the old guy out. JetBlue D-bag managed to pull old Mike out for a party. On 4 freaking 20, the highest of holidays in the weed world, the day that the chillest bros are the most chill of all. It happened on that day. It's wild. But at least now we have Mike's side of the story. Yesterday afternoon, Mike's reps put out the following statement. In part, quote, Unfortunately, Mr. Tyson had an incident on a flight with an aggressive passenger who began harassing him and threw a water bottle at him while he was in his seat. End of quote. I mean, I guess it doesn't sound like, I mean, nobody pulled a gun. But the guy did pull a water bottle and threw it. And that was the breaking point. And that's when you know the dumbest dude on earth and his idiot pal who rolled tape on it 
Then we knew exactly what was going to happen after that. Big surprise. It started with a couple of them being total clowns when Mike was being chill as hell and Mike was being accommodating, and then all hell started to break loose. This is George talking to Mike Tyson, bro. This crazy, bro, Mike Tyson. <laughs> Y'all done got lit, man. He over here rapping with Tyson. Mike Tyson trying to give us some shrooms. <laughs> you don't know how to act. Tyson looking out, man. This is crazy as bleep. Right. Because your boy is aggravating Mike. And you're just running commentary and rolling video. Yeah, it was getting crazy and about to get crazier. I mean, this dude just flat out stated, quote, he don't know how to act. While his brain dead buddy was provoking one of the most dangerous living human beings. And then followed it up with, quote, Tyson looking out, man. Again, Mike was being totally chill with these jackasses. Mike's minding his own business. But this clown was looking for a fight. And eventually, he found one. And it was a moment that sounded like this. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, Mike, Mike, come on. Let's go stop back. Let's lose the horse, man. Hey, 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 hey. Mike, stop that. Stop what? Punching this idiot in the face? Stop that. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. Stop treating this guy like a speed bag. It was over like in four seconds. Hey, 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 Granted, hey. with Mike's hand speed, even at this age, four seconds was enough to land about 12 punches and draw blood. Not going to lie, though. That sound, you know, the, the perfect sounds of sports, you know, the crack of the bat. You know, the sweet spot, when you hit a baseball perfectly, you know that sound, that beautiful sound? There's also that beautiful sound of somebody's fists hitting a D-bag's face repeatedly. Hey, Sounds hey, like hey, this. Hey. hey, Mike, Mike, come on. Let's go stop back. Let's lose the horse, man. Is that a beautiful yeah. sound? Wow. Probably felt great, too. Not to the guy on the receiving end. Hey, dude. Stop bruising Mike's fist with your face. Anyway, this dumbass should have thanked Mike for that because that's exactly what he wanted, right? You don't do that unless that's exactly what you want. Well, you got what you wanted. Mike was extremely accommodating. First a selfie, and then he punched you in the face repeatedly. And apparently the police felt the same way because they also dropped a statement. And while Mike is not totally in the clear... He was released after, quote, the subject provided minimal details of the incident and refused to cooperate further with the police investigation. Right. What was he going to say? Probably because every detail of the incident makes him look like the dumbest person ever and a dude who was begging to get punched in the face by Mike. And in another shocking twist, Delta Bravo allegedly was bleep canned, wasted, blasted. Because obviously there were other eyewitnesses on that JetBlue flight, and one of them spotted our moron at the airport bar being belligerent before they boarded and had the thought, quote, oh no, that drunk guy is on our flight, according to SF Gate. Let me stop right there. How many times have you had that happen? I mean, not every time, but we've all had that happen, right? You've all been in an airport bar where somebody had way too much to drink and was loud and was belligerent and thought to yourself, man, I hope that dude's not on our flight. 
only to see that dude get in line with you on your flight. How do you think Mike felt? How do you think Mike felt when, quote, I hope that drunk guy's not on our flight, plopped down right behind him in first class and started mouthing off? So pending further investigation, Mike is in the clear for the moment, as he should be, because nobody has ever deserved to eat them Tyson fists more than that guy. Not even me, who Mike admitted he wanted to kill back in the day. Hopefully this is a wake-up call for that moron and any other to wise up. Stop acting like the dumbest person ever. You got your attention, man. I hope that was worth it, although I know it wasn't. And you know, to me, the best part of this whole thing, my favorite part of the whole thing is a Mike Tyson Facebook post from July of 2020. It resurfaced in all of this. Back in 2020, Mike posted the following, and I quote, Social media made you all way too comfortable with disrespecting people and not getting punched in the face for it. End of quote. What a perfect precursor. What a perfect post. I mean, he straight warned you all. And he's right. No, violence is never the answer. No, I don't condone violence. No, he should not have snapped on that guy and rained down a flurry of hellfire on him. No matter how much he deserved it. You know, I don't condone it. No matter how much that idiot was begging for it. I can't condone it. I'm just saying, I don't blame Mike for giving this clown exactly what he was looking for in the first place. Hey, listen, I wasn't on that flight, but where the hell were the JetBlue flight attendants? How do you let a belligerent butthole harass somebody on the plane, much less that guy in first class, to the point where he snaps, and then do nothing when that first class passenger starts throwing whirlwind jabs into the seat behind him? I mean, what a free-for-all. Come on, JetBlue, you got to do better. There are idiots out there, and apparently one of the biggest of all is flying on your airline sitting up front, and you're not watching what's going on like that's where Mike needs somebody to step in so Mike doesn't go Mike Mike tried apparently tried to give him some magic mushrooms like chill out bro I took a picture with you and your boy I'm just minding my own business I don't know like who thinks it's a good idea to throw something at Mike a water bottle like where were you going with that dude hey clones what do we want when we're craving protein and we need more energy I'll tell you what we don't want Bars, sugary snacks, energy drinks. Nah, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. No, Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and tasty. It's never tough. So why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. In other words, they take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein and comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. 
Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? Evan Neal. Evan, it's really good to have you on. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on. It is so good to have you on. So listen, I know you're about a week away. I'm kind of curious. What's it all feel like? Like you're putting in the time. You're this close to having your dream becoming a reality. Does it feel pretty natural and like business is business? Or does it seem even to you a little bit surreal? I can say a little bit of both. Uh, Definitely feels like natural routine, business is business, but also like seeing my dreams, like everything I've dreamed about since I was a kid, like coming to fruition, like right in front of my face, like it's pretty crazy. Like sometimes I have to like pinch myself, you know, so it's definitely a blessing for sure. Evan Neal joining me, excuse me, I was going to say, you come from a big athletic family, and you've made that point, and I agree with it. For instance, your dad played football at Tulane. Two of your uncles, Cleveland Gary and Jimmy Jones, played at Miami and in the NFL. So what was it like to grow up in a family like that, and were you into football from the very start? Oh, yeah. I was I was into football as you know, soon as I understood what football was, for sure. Like, and it was also like very com- competitive, um, like – just growing up and hearing their stories, like their football stories and just how competitive it was and like hearing their success, like it, it made me want to have some of that of my own. So it, it definitely like kind of motivated me and, and pushed me. I'm talking to Evan Neal. He's getting ready for the NFL draft. So last summer, Nick Saban told Bruce Feldman of The Athletic something amazing about you. This is a quote. He's a bit of a perfectionist in terms of how he goes about things. He's also got good in, uh, got good intangibles. He plays with good toughness. He's got mental toughness. Listen, I don't hear Nick Saban say that about a lot of different guys. What was it like to play for him, and what was your time with Nick Saban like? It definitely was a challenge, uh, but a challenge that made me better for sure. Like it made me tougher, made me more disciplined, and it just overall just made me a better player. Uh, and also, you know, helped develop my character uh, as well. Just coming in, having to earn a spot with being a young guy, you know, nothing being given to you, and uh, being expected to perform at a, at a certain level, you know, day in and day out, uh, definitely brings its challenges. But uh, it's something that I'm thankful for, you know, for sure. I owe a lot to Coach Saban in Alabama but definitely uh, help mold me and shape me into the player I am today. Evan Neal is joining us. Listen, talking to you right now, I can tell you're a pretty even-keeled guy, but you've also said that what you like about playing offensive line is you can take out your stress, right? You can pancake somebody for cutting you, but you can't do that in real life, but you can on the football field. How does that work? You sound really even-keeled right now, but do you throw a switch and become somebody else when you step on the field? How does that work? You got to be able to flip the switch, man. Like, I'm a big, huge, imposing guy, man. I don't I don't want to be so aggressive off the field, man. People are going to be scared of me. People are not going to be around me, man. That's not good. But uh, definitely on so on the field, I definitely like to just flip the switch. And, uh, you know, that's when I'm turning into a gladiator, turning into football mode, and time to do my job. Evan, that is such a good answer, what you just said, that you are a big, intimidating, imposing dude. You don't want people to be afraid of you off the field, but you got a job to do on it. Here's the thing. For those who don't know, I have a really hard time personally believing that you go 337 because most people who weigh 337 look a little heavy, maybe even a little overweight. Dude, you look really lean. As an example, your teammate Christian Harris said, quote, he's a monster and not human. Like, how do you explain that? And what kind of fuel are you running on? What's your diet like? (laughs) Well, uh, my diet uh, pretty much has been uh, just like lean meat, like chicken, steak, uh, rotisserie chicken, uh, like these leafy green vegetables, like uh, spinach, uh, broccoli, like rice, beans, different proteins. Try to stay away from a lot of carbs and stuff. Like it has been all perfect for sure. But like I've been blessed with like a with great genetics from my parents and a you know big you know frame to be able to carry you know uh, such mass the way I do for sure.
So you're feeding that thing with the right fuel. That is a lean, mean 337. Evan Neal is my guest. So I had former Georgia offensive lineman Jamari Sawyer on the program yesterday. We talked about how playing in the SEC prepared him for the NFL. He was really big on that point. You started for three years in the SEC. How would you describe the battles in the trenches over those three years and how well they prepared you for Sundays? Like, a lot of those guys that I faced are already playing on Sundays, like, every day in practice, like, going against guys like Raekwon Davis, Christian Barmore, even my freshman year whenever I was playing and saw that guard going against guys like Derek Brown, who was the first-round draft choice. So just I was already seeing those guys at that level, you know, playing at such a high, intense level, for sure, in the SEC West. You know, uh, it definitely kind of gives you, like, a, like a bird's-eye view on the kind of what it's going to be like on in the NFL. Evan Neal is my guest. So it's in your family. You grew up with it, and you've always been a big dude. You were a big dude in high school, in fact. But there's a story that back when you were at the IMG Academy, you bumped into Brian Balaga one day in the weight room, and legend has it he gave you some advice about what it takes to play in the NFL from a physical standpoint, a fitness standpoint. What do you remember about that day, and what did he tell you? Yeah, I just remember uh, seeing him in the training room, and he was talking to a couple of players, and I walked up. And uh, I guess he saw me pretty much told me because I was just a big guy. And I didn't carry my weight, you know, back then as, you know, as well as I do now. And I was, you know, heavier. At the time, I was probably about around like 385, probably somewhere around that, uh, somewhere. And he just kind of told me that, um, you know, if he was the NFL GM, he wouldn't draft me, you know, because I was too big. And that kind of really just, it kind of scared me, you know, and uh, kind of, it, re- it really resonated with me because it let me know how much work that I had to do. And uh, I can definitely say it kind of, you know, sparked spark the fire in me for sure. I see. To me, what's really important about that is, one, he took the time to tell you that. But number two, that you took that information and that's what you did with it rather than get, you know, kind of bent or having it go in one ear and out the other, that you actually took that really seriously and it resonated. That tells me something. Then, of course, you got that famous split box jump that went viral last <laughs> summer. One of the freakiest things I've ever seen in my life. When did you do that? And when it got the reaction that it did, I mean, did that kind of blow your mind? Or were you like, dude, this is just what we do. This is normal. Right. We did that over the summer. Um, I think it was like sometime around July, so getting closer to uh, fall camp. And uh, we, we would always do plyo box jump, jumps like that. But, you know, not everyone would go as high. And uh, Doc kind of challenged me, you know, uh, to get to hit the 48 boxes. So uh, I pretty much just uh, did it, you know. Uh, and whenever I posted it, I had no idea that I was going to get the type of traction that it did. I, I posted it because I, I thought it was cool, you know, uh, for sure. So it was pretty cool to see, for sure. It was cool. It was very cool, and everybody thought so. I mentioned Nick Saban. So I'm guessing since you went through that program, maybe you're not looking at the mock drafts that he might convince you that's rat poison. You don't want to see that. But if you thought about it, what would it mean to you to go first overall on Thursday night if that were to happen? That would be a tremendous blessing, you know, to be an offensive lineman, to go number one overall, you know, from a small town like Okeechobee, Florida. And also, you know, uh, being the first uh, first overall pick, you know, uh, in 74 years for Taylor Alabama, you know, that would be amazing uh, for sure. It would be a dream come true. But uh, wherever I get drafted, wherever I go, will be definitely be a blessing and uh, something that I'll be thankful for forever. I mean, one last thought, that notion of rat poison, it kind of makes me laugh. I mean, I've never spoken to him about that, but for those who do not know, what is rat poison when Nick talks about it like that, and how do you avoid it? Rat poison is kind of like things that aren't in your in your control, you know, and uh, kind of just focusing on other things, you know, that are in your control. That's how you, you know, avoid it. 
Essentially, it's just like who wants to eat poison, right? You don't want to get caught. You don't want to get hooked. And you certainly do not want to eat the poison, right? Don't take the cheese. Don't take the cheese. All right, good. He's a national champion, a consensus All-American. He was a team captain there, a three-year starter. And you've got the NFL draft coming up on Thursday. He will be one of the first guys off the board. Evan Neal, my guest. Evan, great to have you on. Good luck on Thursday. Great talking to you. Thank you for having me on, man. Hey, clones, what do we want when we're craving protein and we need more energy? I'll tell you what we don't want. Bars, sugary snacks, energy drinks. Nah, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. No, Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and tasty. It's never tough. So why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. In other words, they take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein and comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? All right, so if it's smack-off season, I can't keep telling you it's smack-off season without taking a phone call. The smack-off. You need to be in it to win it, and you need to qualify to get into it. Robert in Davis wants to take a shot. So consider this the first call after the start of SmackOff season, I would allege. Let's find out. We go to Davis. Robert, good to have you on the show. What's up? Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call from up here in Davis, California. If you are a person out there with dirty feet that you love to show off, no sports knowledge whatsoever, a taste for LaCroix, and a preference for a non-bathing lifestyle, come here to Davis. You'll fit right in. I want to discuss a few clones who have apparently stopped trying. With all due respect, a single-celled yet inexplicably massive organism from Richmond wrote something coherent enough for lovers of fart jokes to applaud and somehow became a smack-off champ. Jim, does John Daly know Jeff in Richmond stole his meal plan? Jim, congratulations to Jeff on his jungle success, despite his other obvious disadvantages. Matt in L.A., with all due respect, Your incomprehensible banter makes exchanges between Cheech and Chong sound like a discussion between investigatory PhD scientists discussing their latest findings. Hello, Robert in Davis. Next time you have a long form email that you have typed out and want to read on the air, just send it to me and I will read it instead. Thank you very much for your time and your consideration. That is not smack-off worthy. Even if you want to line up everybody who has ever called the program and then take them down one by one by one. Thank you very much for your email. Oh, you got to try. We got to start somewhere. That's not good enough. That, that's not good enough on a normal day for a normal call. That will get you run because that doesn't make it better. I'm not trying to discourage you from calling. I'm trying to get you to do better. And if you can't do better, that's okay too. You know, me, I wanted to play Major League Baseball. I was not good enough, so I didn't get to. Life. If you're not good enough at the show as a caller, that's okay, too. Life. 
You can listen. You can do whatever the hell you want on Twitter. I can't stop you from that. But I can take you off the air if you're not making it better. That did not make it better. That's not going to get you a golden ticket. Alvin, do you... Let me give you an example. And this goes way, 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 way back in the day. But the reason I want to play you a part of this call... This is the sort of timeless content that I'm talking about. The type of thing that holds up 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. The type of content that will get you into the smack off. It's an annual event. It's for the best of the best. And it's only one day a year. And we've done 27 of these things. Here is an example of a smack off call. This is the legendary Jim in Fall River. I have no idea what happened to him. I don't know when the last time I spoke with him was. I just know that he was an icon and a legend and one of the best callers in the history of the program. And if you want to get into the smack off, it's got to be something like this, at least in quality. For the love of God, would you networks please curtail the amount of extreme close-ups on one Andrew Pettit? I watched the playoffs last year. It's like every time this guy started, the camera crew shot the game like it's some kind of David Lynch movie with the camera zoomed four inches from Pettit's nostrils. It's like 36 times in a seven-inning span you hear the announcer remark on the intense stare of Andy. Andy in his zone of concentration. Andy with the eyes of a competitor. No, no, no. Let me help the, the, help the novice baseball fan that only tunes in for the playoffs, okay? Andy Pettit pitches with his mouth agape and he has the eyes of a goat, okay? I, I give him credit. He's a mean lefty. He's got a wicked sinker. But just because he glares at Posada like he's trying to burn a hole through Jorge's eyebrows with his mind doesn't necessarily mean he's any more focused than the other eight A-holes wearing pinstripes on the field. One of the single greatest phone calls ever made to a sports talk radio show ever. Ever. And still not good enough to win on that day. This is the bar for the smack-off. That's why that last guy, credit for trying, and I want to encourage you all to try, but that's why he got broken off. That's what you're measured against. That's the standard. And again, that's not even a winning call. One of the best calls ever wasn't even the best call on that day. Can I repeat that? One of the best calls in the history of the genre wasn't even the best call on that given day. Because that given day is a really unique day for the best of the best. So if you've won that, whether you think so or not, on the outside, it puts you in a very, very rarefied bit of air. And yes, Silk has won it. All right, so that's what we're looking at. If you're new to it and you don't know what I'm talking about, very quickly, the smack off is once a year. It is for a show that's not caller-driven. It's a show that takes only calls. The best calls all call that day to compete to be the best on that day. The winner gets five grand and the crown of King of Smack for an entire year. And you just go in the history books. I have to go back and look at it. But we've done 27 of these things, but we do not have 27 winners. I have to count how many winners we have. There are several multiple champs. So of the 27 years, I'm going to guess that maybe, I don't know, 15, 18 people have won. I got to look it up. Hey, nut, look it up for me. When we come back, you know, if I'm talking to you before the NFL draft, you are a very unique player. 14 winners. 14 callers in the history of my career have won the smack off. That's how special that is. That's how unique you have to be. Only 14 people have done it. That's why that guy, that reader just got run.
And I'll give you one more analogy. Some of the best to ever do it have not won. You know, be the equivalent of like Charles Barkley never winning an NBA championship. Doesn't mean he's not great. Doesn't mean he's not a Hall of Famer. You know, like the point guard. The way the point guard's going, he's not going to get his ring. Doesn't mean he's not an all-time great. Some of the best callers ever have never won the smack-off. Now, if you want to turn that on its head and say, well, Rome, how can they be one of the best ever if they've never won the smack-off? That's fair. Charles Barkley played in a team sport. Calling the smack-off is an individual sport. Last night, I felt really good about the Grizz minus two versus the Wolves. So I hit that. Minnesota jumps on them early. I hit the Grizz again in game. Okay. Let me stop right there. So Mm -hmm. I had them minus two. Then I got them plus two and a half. You love that play, don't you? The in-game play. Best play in NBA uh, playoff basketball to gamble is in-game. All right, so I did that. Normally, I don't do it because when I do that, normally it means I'm chasing, and when I'm chasing, I'm getting my ass beat. Then I did it a third time. When they fell behind further, I also picked them up at 6.5, plus (laughs) 6.5. So my point is, when Minnesota pulled off, I hate to say it, Head, but one of the all-time choke jobs, Uh blowing a 25-point lead twice, uh-huh. I ended up winning that game three different ways. Then I hit the other two, and I went 5-0 and last night. Beautiful. Point being, right? Point mm-hmm. being, not look at me, I went 5-0, and because I know I can go 0-5 tonight. I just want to make sure you and I are on the same page, and we promise each other we will enjoy the wins more than we do, because winning's not easy, dog. No, it's not at all, but it's really hard to enjoy these ones in the NBA playoffs in March Madness because there's a game right in our face every single day compared to NFL and college football. But, yes, we have to enjoy them more because it does taste good. I was 7-1 and one last weekend. Of course, I bragged, got arrogant, and then I got kicked right in the junk. Stick, so, right yep. in the stick. You got a kick in the stick, right? Kick in the stick, yep. All right, so Fast. really quickly before we break down these games, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So since I'm giving myself so much credit, now let me take away some of that credit because it's something I did this morning. Have you ever, and I'm going to guess that you have not, I bet I'm not the only one to do this, but I bet you haven't. Have you ever hit the wrong team when going to make a bet accidentally? Ooh, no, that's never happened online. Never. I didn't never. think. Mm-mm. I did it today. I did all my homework. Oof. I made a decision between the Heat and the Hawks. I decided that I wanted the ATL at home because I wanted them in the points, and I promptly put in a bet for the Heat. This is Ooh. not like Gmail or Google where you can unsend a Gmail or an email if you want to send it. Dude, I hit the wrong team. Well... Technology is easier for me than actually calling a friend for 20 years and talking. So I've actually, of course, because first of my... First of all, I'm not your friend. I'm your boss. Well, I'm, I'm talking about a friend I had to used to call oh, to make okay. certain things. All right. Yeah, yeah. And my uh, propensity to speak wrong hurt me a few times, but technology hasn't done me in yet. Well, but I feel, wrongly, I feel you. I've lost a couple times. What you've done to the, the English language and grammar is unforgivable. <laughs> All right, let's get it out there, dude. Let's do it. Let's break it down. We are into it. We've got three games coming up, and I just said it off the top. I wanted to hit the ATL and get Mm -hmm. the one-and-a-half against Miami. In fact, you know what I did? I doubled back, and I hit that bet again twice to make up for that mistake. Talk about an idiot. How are you playing that game? What's the number right now, and how are you playing the Heat and the Hawks? I hit the right button the first time, Jim. I'm going with Atlanta plus one and a half. That's my line. That's what I got. There's not a team in the NBA with a bigger disparity 
of being good on their home court and ass on the road than the Hawks. There were 13 games above 500 at home this season, so they and Trey should be better tonight. Trey's been bad, man, very bad. He's shooting 29% from the field and 10% from the three um, this series. Mm. They have to play better from distance. Miami shot the three and defended it better than anyone in the NBA all regular season, and that's been the case thus far in this series. The first two games, the Heat have shot 43% while holding Atlanta to postseason worst 29% from distance. I think the Hawks will do all this tonight. Against the spread, Miami is the fourth best team in the NBA, and they are on bleeping fire. Trend after trend points their way, but they are average as a favorite, and the Hawks are at their best as a home team. I'm going to go with Atlanta plus one and a half. Atlanta. 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 On top of that, I know that Miami covered each of the first two games. I also know this. They're banged Mm -hmm. up coming in. Bam does not look like he's 100%. And to your point, Head, the Hawks are a much, much different team at home against the spread. Also straight up. While I did hit both, because I hit one on accident, I only meant to hit the Hawks. So I'm going to go with you on that one. I will take the point and a half and roll with the ATL. Beautiful. Right, let's move on to the Bucks and Bulls. The Bucks have not exactly looked like the defending world champs, have they, in splitting the first two games. Mm-mm. Now the series moves to Chicago. They've got to go without Chris Middleton. Yeah. But even so, they're still two-and-a-half-point favorites at last check. Mm-hmm. Are you laying the points here, or are you taking the home dog dog laying the two and a half points and taking the champs here the bucks need drew holiday to step up um without middleton there he's really their only shot creator that um outside of Giannis that they have on the roster and the bad news is he is struggling again this postseason like he did last year this postseason he's 12 of 30 shots and he's committed 10 turnovers through the first two games but he can get aggressive, Jim, against this um, Bulls defense. They don't have a shot-blocking presence, and I think he will do it tonight. And he's not the only one who needs to clean it up. Milwaukee as a team, they're averaging 18 turnovers um, through the first two games of the series. They have to protect the ball better. They have to start dominating the worst rebounding team in the NBA and the Bulls. They should win tonight, and they should still win this series without Middleton. Also, good sign for the Bucks. This has been their best spot against the spread all season away favorite when uh they've hit 66 percent of those games as the away favorite let's go with the bucks minus two and a half over munster squad pretty freaking persuasive head you make very good points again i want to reiterate i'm with you drew holiday's got to do better and i think he will they need him and i think he will the bucks have not looked great in the first two games not having middleton is obviously a concern just not enough of a concern for me not to take them not if i only have to give up two and a half points especially given how good the bucks are against the spread on the road, and how bad the Bulls have been against the spread as home dogs. I hit Milwaukee as well, minus two and a half. Nice. And I did it head on the very first try. So huge ups to me for not hitting the wrong button. All right, no joke. Suns and Pelicans gave me some problems. Given how many times I went back and forth on this one head, that's the one that I should have inadvertently hit the wrong button on because, frankly, I couldn't decide anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. I would have stayed with it even if I made the wrong choice. That said, before I hit you with my pick, I need yours. What's the number in that game right now? How are you playing that one? The number is Suns minus one and a half, and they have probably given you worrisome or a lot of trouble with this because the Suns have not looked like that team that won 64 games this season, Jim. In game one, they were shredded on the offensive glass, and then game two, they couldn't get back in transition, and the Pelicans actually outscored them by 13 points there. 
But they are experienced, and I think we will see a more focused, sharper team without Booker because of the injury, more in line with the top five offense and defense that we've seen all year. That nut puncher, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, and Cam Johnson have to pick up the scoring load because the defense should be great like it always is. Also, a little bit of an outlier here. The Pelicans hit 17 three-pointers. Pelican, you just added two syllables to that. Pelicans. Razor backs. They hit 17 three-pointers in game two. You know that word, they. You got that. Well got done. that right, too. Bravo. 57% shooting from That's distance right. last game. Um, and they're actually, for the entire postseason, shooting three better than anybody. That's but right. like I said, that is an outlier, James. There's, right. uh, Jim, James, sorry. Their That's season wrong. average is That's 11 wrong. threes on 33% shooting. That would be the 27th best shooting from deep. Let's say they are closer to that tonight than the 57% they've been shooting. Also, against the spread, the Pelicans. Shooting. Rooting in a tootin'. Rooting in a tootin'. Go ahead. As a home underdog, um, they're, that's one of their worst trends, actually, hitting on 41% of those games. I feel and like they you're are that one. The combine is trying to get the workout in, and I'm the guy chasing you with a broom and hitting you over the head with it. <laughs> Go ahead. That trend of a home underdog, one in five in their last six in that role. Not good. Let's go with that point guard, smash and sack, and Pelicans um, losing to the Suns. Suns minus one and a half. All right, so I see it. Not, I don't like it when we agree on everything, but we agree on everything this time around. I think ultimately they're going to have a real problem going without Devin Booker, except not tonight. We've been talking about this all week long. Dude, and after you going 3-0, and 2 and we're agreeing on some everything here, they might want to fade us a little bit. That's, oh, that's, you that's should heavy. definitely fade me. I went 5-0, yeah. and oh, actually, not 3-0, 5-0. Oh, oh. I, I, I would fade me. I went 5-0. and oh. It's going to turn. Right. You, you and I have been talking – on and off the air all week long about the point god. And that was before Booker went down. We discussed uh-huh. how important it is for the point god to step up given his history of postseason failures. And now with Booker down, they need the point god even more. It says here he will get the job done. So will the big fella. And I think the head coach, Monty Williams, who I have immense respect for, is going to adjust accordingly. All right? So... Mm-hmm. I went back and forth on that one, but I'm going to ride with the Suns and lay the points. Before you go, that Booker injury, it's worse than initially reported. We're not sure how long he'll be out, but what does that do to the big picture? Are the Suns officially still the team to beat or did the Dubs or somebody else jump over them? They are no longer the team to beat. Last week when we did this segment, the Suns were the favorite at plus 255. They are now second choice at plus 425. The favorites to win it all are the Golden State Warriors. Hopefully, everyone listened to hit, uh, hit them at plus 850 with me last week because now they've gone down to plus 300. This thing is open, but the Warriors are now the favorites, but, but everything is kind of turning on its head. And the Nets were plus 600. They've gone to plus 1,200. Um, the Bucks were plus 475, Jim. Now you can get um, Milwaukee for plus 900 if you want that. Okay, do you want if, – if you hit Golden State at plus 850, that was genius. Is mm-hmm. there anything else that you would hit? Looking at the way these numbers have changed, do any of those numbers interest you, and are you going to hit any of that? The Bucks would interest me at plus 900 a little bit. I won't hit it because I hit two last week, so I don't want more action out there. But the Bucks at plus 900 would interest me. If if you think the Nets are done, I mean, people I usually do. tend to. Yeah, well, and people usually do it when you're trailing two games to nothing. But, you know, it, it is game three. They haven't had a home game in Brooklyn yet. So if you still think they might do it, plus 1,200. Also, the 76ers plus 1,000 if you think Larden can come through. Yeah, that's not bad at all. All right, so run it back. The three games that we have tonight, how are you playing them? Be sure to put them on Twitter. 
Hawks plus one and a half, Bucks minus two and a half, and Suns minus one and a half. All right. I have all the same exact bets. The big head, James Beautiful. Kelly. Follow him at Big Head Bets. Good job, JK. Thank you very much. Hey, Rogan Loans, Dad. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know that bell. What's cracking? Welcome to the Monday edition of the program. My name is Jim Rome. We are coming to you live from the Rocky Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocky can. Hope you had a great weekend. Got a really good Monday show for you and a lot to get done. Let's not waste time. Let's get right at it. Yeah! Cutter, Tatum spins, lays it up and in. If you're the Nets and you have one of the greatest players of all time and another guy who thinks that he's one of the greatest players of all time. Well, hello to everybody in the building. There are no moral victories. And yesterday was a loss in a game they should have won. Birds. My husband and I were at Tour Stop. Dodger Jano in those black leather pants. Tour Stop pants. Tour Stop pants. 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 and have never properly retracted. Kirby's like, yo, we are setting a culture here. Line 46. And here in the National Chicken Salad League, we have to respect the product above all. Chicken salad. Get the program. You get the hell out. Oh, and good luck. Good luck. Hi, Jim. Uh, thank you for picking up Line 46. Line 46. Man up, you crybabies, and eat that healthy and very nutritious meal rather than the grease ball coated in cheese and tomato sauce. Chicken salad! <laughs> Missed your trip to New Mexico. Is there anything I need to know that you did that might interest me? He's good as his Why are you asking me about a trip that I took to New Mexico? Bro, you and I are not here to have conversations. We're not boys. We are talking to Claes Campbell. I'm a part of a team that has a realistic chance to go out there and host a Lombardi Trophy. And that's something I dripped about since I was six. Clayus, are you in a bird sanctuary? What a beautiful sound. I'm in the Airbnb in the backyard. Man, nothing says classy like a welcome to Pound Town sign above your bed. This is the place where, where we take the skin boat to Tuna Town. Email. Other signs around the Pound Town house. Home is where you hide the sausage. Live, laugh, coitus. Life is better when you're porking. Connor Joe is my guest. You gotta stay positive. There's gonna be some days in chemotherapy where there's no light at the end of the tunnel, but as positive as you can stay, it's gonna help you, and it, and it sure did. Maybe if that rageaholic Jerry West hit the bud and not the bottle, dude would be more chill. Sincerely, 420 guy. Vic and Nokel getting a welcome to Pound Town sign for his bedroom. Only problem is he shares a bed with his Aunt Betty. For the official start of Smack Off season, the most wonderful time of the year. Drum roll, please. Oh, that's exciting. All right, here it is. Smack Off number 28 is on Friday, June 24th. You know the drill. The Smack Off. Take the day off. Make it happen. Preston, really quickly, I'm out of time. So we're going to clear up some of these rumors now. We're not going to address Rasul and his, his disbelief in me to make it to the 25 from the goal line on the kickoff. But we are going to address Kenny Clark. And I got a beef, but I like to pour salt all over. I love my salt, Jim. My beef, and I know this drives Alvin nuts, is when there's no duct tape on the glory hole, Jim. Talk about a pain in the shaft. Ah. It's good to be with you on the beef segment. I really don't have any beef. Beef to speak about. Jerry Jones would call during the beef segment, only to be followed by Jim Harbaugh, Mac Brown. Being able to reinvent ourselves where we are. As long as you've got energy, the experience you and I have really helps us 
When they say some older people shouldn't be in these positions, it's because they don't have the energy. But if you put energy with experience, uh, that's one of the greatest things in the world. Hey, Mike, Mike, come on. That's the sound of Mike's fist hitting some idiot's face. Is there a worse idea, not only than annoying Mike Tyson, but annoying Mike Tyson when he's not bothering anybody at all? You gotta be an idiot to mess with Mike Tyson. So whatever happens, happens. What he did at Villanova is absolutely incredible. And George Clooney wishes he was Jay Wright. George Clooney. Much respect, Jay. Miss you already. Jamari Salyer is my guest. Me, I'm a foodie. I love food. You know, I had to learn to take a step back from grandma's. We had to learn how to, you know, use a air fryer. Pool party! It's a pool party! Jamal Crawford. And I'm like, dude. Dude! Don't forget to shoot. Shoot. Jim, does John Daly know Jeff and Richmond stole his meal plan? Ah. Next time you have a long-form email, just send it to me, and I will read it instead. And the Hawks are at their best as a home team. I'm going to go with Atlanta. 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 That is an outlier, James. There's uh, Jim. James. I'm going to go Ricky Henderson on everyone. Here we go. James in Portland makes the show better. First of all, I'm a former U.S. Army paratrooper, but no. Have some fun out there. Go downstairs and crank the goo-goo doll. Do you know what wacky packs are? Do you know about Ronald McDonald? Chicken salad! Have a great day. Butthole at the Easter oh, Barbecue. Pound Town, yo. Wow. Anytime you need me, I'm always here. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Smack Off 28 Smack is on June 24th. Good night now! Good night!